you know what? It's really fun to be here. Y'all know that theme music. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? How are we doing? How are we doing? And welcome to episode number 56 of the Banner Baked Podcast. I am your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. How are we doing? Hope everyone had a great weekend. Thanks so much for tuning in, whether it's on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever the case may be. Thanks so much for listening. You can find me on the Twitter machine at BannerBanter18 or on Facebook and Instagram at BannerBanterPodcast. And remember, you can always email me at BannerBanterPodcastGmail.com. What's going on? Kind of a sad day. The Boston Celtics 10-game winning streak has come to an end, but a solid week overall. They went 3-1 this past week. They beat the Mavericks 116-106. to Then they beat the Wizards in a crazy high-scoring game, 140-133. to Then they beat the Wizards 105-100, to and they lost to the Sacramento Kings at the buzzer. A heartbreaking bounce off the rim for Marcus Smart and the rest of the Boston Celtics 100-109. to But, hey, Everything's all good in the hood. The Boston Celtics are currently 10-2. They're first place in the Atlantic Division. They're first place overall in the Eastern Conference. You, so you really can't be upset with that. Right now, the Eastern Conference standings, I don't even know why I'm going to talk about this, but we might as well, right? So right now, you have the Celtics, the Heat, the Bucks, the Raptors, the 76ers, Pacers, Magic, and Hornets, which means in the first round, you would be playing the Charlotte Hornets, and then you'd play the winner of the of the Toronto Raptors or the Philadelphia 76ers, which is pretty crazy. Celtics are two games up in the Raptors, two and a half games up in the 76ers, and five games up on the Brooklyn Nets, and seven and a half on the New York Knicks. So uh, thanks for coming out, Nets and Knicks. But anyways, let's get right into it. We obviously, per usual, say with me, have a lot to talk about, but let's let's recap the four games from this past week, and then we'll get right into the rest of this very, very tough three-game road trip that's left. We've already played two games out of the five West Coast trip, and now we get three left starting tonight at 9 p.m. against the Phoenix Suns. It's going. It's not going to be an easy game. The next three games, the Celtics play teams with a combined record of 24-12. and 12. No joke. But let's start with the Dallas Mavericks game. Celtics win 116-106. Get to see Luka Doncic. What an absolute wonder of a basketball player. You really can't be mad or hate the guy in any way, shape, or form. He has a good-looking mom. He's a very good basketball player. He just plays the game the right way, and I love it. The first quarter for both teams was ugly. The second quarter for the Celtics defensively was absolutely terrible. But they did buckle down in the second half. They shot 42% from three, thanks to a lot of... Of better shot selections. I felt like the Celtics really forced a lot in the first half against the Mavs, but they had better shot selection in the second half, and it actually showed. Marcus Smart in this game was absolutely ridiculous, and I really had, it made me really appreciate Marcus Smart, because, you know, if you watched the Sacramento Kings game today, 
Remember, I record on Sunday and then release it on Monday. Buddy Heald went off at 35 points. He just got this massive extension, and he's 26 years old. Marcus Smart is only 25 years old. He's a year younger than Buddy Heald, which is crazy to think about because I feel like Marcus Smart has been in the league for like 10 years. But he held Chris Pass, Christos Porzingis, a.k.a. KP6, or whatever his new number. Is he number six with the Mavs now? Anyways, it it doesn't matter. He shot 1 of 11 from the field, and he really made Porzingis feel uncomfortable all night, which is absolutely incredible because he's like 5 or 6 inches shorter than him. Overall, Marcus dropped 17 points, 6 assists, was a plus 13 and a 10-point win. Very, very interesting. And I saw some tweets from HP Basketball. His name's Hardwood Paraxum. I I think that's how you pronounce it. It, I probably butchered the, the name, but he's a big stat guy big in analytics, and he he was tweeting some stuff about Marcus Smart. And you guys ready for this? When Marcus Smart is on the floor, teams in the NBA shoot worse, they get fewer offensive rebounds, they draw fewer fouls, they turn the ball over more, they take and make more threes. I'm, I'm sorry, they take and miss more threes. They score less points in the paint, they score less fast break points, and they score less second chance points or putback points in that. People, Marcus Smart guards, is insane. So you think Porzingis, five or six inches taller than him, can just jump right over him. At the rim this season, Marcus Smart is forcing defenders to shoot less than 50% from the field. That is wild, wild stuff. And opponents overall, when Marcus Smart is on the floor, score less... I'm sorry, I, I didn't say that right. Opponents... When Marcus Smart is on the floor, score nine points fewer. That is insane. Absolutely insane. And it really showed. Marcus Smart was the reason why they won this game. Yes, I understand. Kemba went off, had an insane fourth quarter per usual. And we just need to stop this whole, like, king of the fourth thing. I don't want to hear it anymore. I really don't. You know, I love Kemba. IT4 was so much fun. Blah, 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 blah. But can we not do this again? A lot of people are saying it's the same exact thing, but, you know, Kemba's IT4 and steroids. Can we just enjoy this? Please, for the love of God, let Kemba do his thing. But what, with that being said, I haven't seen a full great game from Kemba Walker yet. Kemba Walker in the first half of this Mavs game was meh at best. And I'm starting to get concerned because when Kemba doesn't start well, the rest of the team doesn't start well, and they could be down 10, 12 points. They were down 15 points against the Warriors in the first quarter. They were down 12 points against the Sacramento Kings. Teams that are worse than they are, they're getting into these slumps, and then they have to work so hard to fight their way back. And that is not going to work in the playoffs because what if Kemba gets cold and he can't hit anything? Who's going to step up? You can't trust Tatum right now. He's not shooting that great. Marcus Smart, sure, he's been shooting the ball well of late, but was 2 of 16 from the field against the Kings. And Jalen's been pretty solid. But, like, and sure, we'll have Gordon Hayward back, hopefully. You know, hopefully the hand thing isn't too serious. But it's crazy that we're relying on Kemba to hopefully have a great second half. And what if he doesn't? They're screwed. They're absolutely screwed. And speaking of things that like screw with you Robert Williams in this game was better offensively for the Celtics than he was defensively and we think of the time lord we think of block shots right 
But when he's on the floor this season, the Celtics scored 19 points per 100 possessions more. But then when he's on the floor, the Celtics are also giving up 16 more points to their opponents over 100 possessions. So he's really only a plus three. And you and you would think, hmm, he'd probably be better defend. Like the team would be better with him on the court defensively and worse with him offensively. But it's the other way around. It's absolutely crazy. And speaking of defense and things that are crazy about this Mavs game, the Celtics, remember in the beginning of the year, they were just like forcing turnovers. I think it was against the Kings at Madison Square Garden, like the third game of the year. They forced over 30, no, not 30. They forced over 20 turnovers. And I feel like their defense is fading a little bit. And that's kind of scaring me. And the reason why I think that is because they're not forcing turnovers. And then, uh, I don't know. There's, I have so many thoughts in my head right now about the Celtics defense. Like the rotations are there, they're not rebound, they're rebounding the ball okay, but they don't seem to be pressuring the ball as much, and it's starting to annoy me. And it really hit the annoy, like the top of my annoyance level on Wednesday night when they when they beat the Washington Wizards and let the Washington Wizards score 133 points on them. How in God's name do you give up 133 points? to the Washington Wizards. They're terrible. Obviously, Bradley Beal is incredible. Shout out to Bradley Beal. I honestly think Bradley Beal is my top one or two players that aren't on the Boston Celtics. Obviously, it's J.J. Redick for life. I'd take a bullet for J.J. Redick. Duke basketball forever. But this dude, Bradley Beal, drops over 40 points, and he just balls every single night, and I love it. He hates everyone that he plays against. I would Love Bradley Beal on the Celtics. Love, 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 love. But anyways, back to the Celtics defense. My God, how do you give up 133 points to the Washington Wizard? That's terrible. But you're probably saying, well, hey, man, the offense was pretty good. They scored 140 points. No! They should have scored 140 points and then only allowed 103 points to the Washington Wizards. That cannot be a thing. The Celtics allowed 30 points or more in every single quarter of that basketball game. Ah! That can't happen. That can't happen. The the Wizards suck. The Wizards are currently 3-8. and eight. That is not good. But can you imagine what the Celtics can do if they play this poorly defensively against, you know, let's say the Raptors or the 76ers and the Milwaukee Bucks and the Miami Heat? These teams are going to score like 180 points. It was absolutely unbelievable. And the reason why I'm really concerned is the Celtics can't get separation against other teams when they want to put them away. The Celtics are up seven or eight points like they were at some points of these games. Guess what? Go ahead. Say it with me. The teams just catch right back up, and they can't put them away. The Sacramento Kings game. The Wizards game. I mean, not the Wizards game. The Warriors game. And sure, the Wizards game too. They get these seven or eight-point leads, and they just can't get it to 12 or 13 and really put these teams away because the defense is so bad. And it's driving me crazy. And speaking about bad... Uh, bad defense. Ennis Cantor. Holy crap. I knew it was bad. Oh, man. That dude cannot hedge for the life of him. I honestly think that Taco might be able to hedge better. So for those of you that don't know what hedging means, it was engraved into my dome piece thanks to my one of my high school basketball coaches, Coach O'Keefe. Basically what it is is if you're the defender where the guy you're defending the guy who's setting the screen in the pick and roll scenario and the guy rolls you either decide to switch or stay put 
if you do decide to switch, you have to hedge, aka take a step out, put your hand up, so the person with the ball doesn't have the opportunity to shoot or drive by you. That way you can then take a step back and take the roller, aka the original person you are guarding. Does that make sense? Great. Ennis Cantor can't do that. That's how Bradley Beal and Isaiah Thomas got a lot of their points in this game because Cantor isn't fast enough or quick enough to hedge and there's a they got three or four feet of separation and they shoot a three and they stick them. And that drives me absolutely crazy. But what is going to drive you crazy is the fact that we have our first full week of Cantor banter. Hit the music. He's a man who loves to get a double-double, but when it comes to the Turkish government, he's in a lot of trouble. It's time for Cantor banter, baby. Wow! right Ennis Cantor got 24 rebounds this week pretty impressive huh he got seven against the Kings nine against the Warriors and then I think uh do the math Tim I think it was like five and then three in the other two games at home at TD Garden but back to the Wizards game the the Celtics came out very strong in the second half just like they did in the in the Mavs game and I just stuttered so bad there like it was Joe and Mystical. I know I always use that joke, but I just love that song. How can you not love the Joe and Mystical song? Stutter. I can tell you're lying because when you're replying. Anyways, but I don't know what Brad Stevens is saying at halftime to these guys because they keep coming out in the second half very strong. They did it in the Kings game. They did it in the Warriors game. They did it in the Wizards game. They did it in the Mavs game. They did it in all four games this week. It's absolutely crazy. Jalen came out in the second half guns a-blazing. He scored eight straight points to start the game. I mean, this, the second half of the game. And that was after the fact that he missed his first four or five shots. The Celtics got out to like a 13-point lead. And then like how I was talking about, they can't put teams away. The defense allowed the Wizards to go on a 9-0 run. So how do the Celtics answer? You figure, okay, maybe it's Tatum, maybe it's Jalen. Nope, it was Carson Edwards and Brad Wanamaker who then scored seven straight points. Huh? I mean, Brad Wanamaker has been playing great. Carson Edwards had probably his best game inside of TD Garden. He scored 18 points, the new number four. The old number four, Isaiah Thomas, started for the Wizards, and he also scored 18 points. It was good to see him have a reasonable basketball game, even though we've all moved on. But it's pretty crazy that the Celtics gave up 133 points to the Washington Wizards. They let the Wizards shoot 51% from the field and 44% from three. That can not happen against a bad team and it 1,000 million quadrillion bazillion percent cannot happen against a good team. So those were how the first two games at home this past week for the Celtics went. And then they went on their little West Coast road trip. Five games against the Warriors, the Kings, the Suns, the Clippers, and the Nuggets. Obviously, Tonight, we have the Suns, Wednesday, Clippers, Friday, Nuggets. So let's recap the Warriors game, shall we? The Celtics win once again 105-100, to and it was ugly. 
It was gross. Let me tell you. They only won by five points. They came out flat. They missed seven out of their first nine shots. They were good looks, but they just they just couldn't fall. So you're like, oh, crap. This team's tired. Absolutely unbelievable. And then in this game, the Celtics missed, I'm pretty sure, 440 million layups. It was absolutely incredible. The Celtics' defense sucked inside the paint, too. They couldn't finish in the paint, but the Warriors could. The Celtics gave up 44 points in the paint, and they couldn't even score in the paint themselves. I don't know what it is about this team, but they do win ugly, and they never quit. So you can't be upset about that. You're down first. You're down 15 in the first quarter versus a very bad opponent on the, on the West Coast. You, you know, you missed... Seven out of your first nine shots, most teams would be like, yeah, you know what, screw it, we got another game Sunday, let's get some rest and we'll call it a day. But that didn't happen. Brad put in Brad Wanamaker, Shemi, and Carson Edwards. It didn't really work with Shemi, but it did with Brad Wanamaker. Brad Wanamaker, guys, between the Warriors game, the Wizards game, and the Mavs game, was playing about 18 minutes per game, finished with 57% from the field on average in all three of those games. 93% from the free throw line, two boards, three assists, almost 10 points, 9.7 points per game. Some of his decision-making so far this year has been very questionable. Some of his turnovers are hideous. Sometimes when he puts his head down on a fast break and the guy's just waiting for him to pick up an offensive charge like that Wagner kid who has like Kim Kardashian, Kendall Jenner, Kylie Jenner lips like look up Wagner Michigan Wizards he played at the University of Michigan plays for the Washington Wizards that dude's lips are like take up 90% of his head and it's absolutely crazy but anyways Brad Wanamaker his decision making has been questionable but he's been great for this Celtics team over the last week or two. I'm not saying he's picking up Gordon Hayward's role, but it's good to know that you have an older player out there who has seen all types of basketball. He played overseas for a long time. He played four years of college. He's a legitimate backup point guard for this team. I'm not saying in the NBA, but just for the just for this team. So, first half, Celtics were up one at the half. They came back. They fought really hard. And then they came out very strong in the third quarter. What do you know? Another strong start to the second half. Again, what is Brad doing to them at halftime? They got the lead up to seven. Warriors fought, fought back. Then Jalen hit a couple back, uh, couple threes back to back. And then both teams kept going back and forth. And then Kemba going into the fourth quarter was one for 11. Again, still haven't seen a full game from Kemba Walker. And then he went off in the fourth quarter. Once again, I don't need to hear the king of the fourth quarter stuff, please. But five of eight shooting, 14 points, including his classic cardiac Kemba step back to put the icing on the cake in this game. And it was absolutely fantastic. The thing that really pissed me off about this Warriors game, minus the fact that they should have blown this team out of the water with all their injuries and how bad they've been, is at one point in the second half, the Warriors had 25 three-throw attempts, and the Celtics only had three. The Warriors went to the free-throw line 34 times, and the Celtics only 23 times. You have to attack the rim when you're on the road. It's a must. You can't rely on your jumpers. You're time zone difference you're off you're not sleeping right you 
you could have a fear of flying. Like the the list could go on and on on why you shouldn't be taking long contested jumpers versus attacking the rim. It's driving me absolutely crazy. The Celtics missed a lot of layups. They missed like because if you're not going to hit your layups and you're not going to attack the rim, at least try and get to the free throw line. At least try. Like let's do all of us a favor and at least try and do that. This one of the craziest one last thing about this game. One of the craziest parts about this game is there was a jump ball late in the game. I think it was 97-98 Celtics. Tice or um before Tice won the tip, Marcus Smart went over to Jason Tatum and told him to do something and Tice hit it in the direction where Marcus Smart told Jason Tatum to go. Tatum got it, went in for a dunk. Absolutely incredible. And Tatum said after the game that Marcus Smart called out the play. And then there's actually a picture online with Tatum dunking and Marcus Smart like putting his hands up like, yep, I called it. I'm great. So at that point, the Celtics are now 9-1. and one. They've won uh, 9 in a row? No, no, no. They've won 10 in a row at that point. They're now 10-1. and one. You're, you're you're absolutely beaming for the moon. You're like Sunday, the Kings. They don't have Buddy Heal. I mean, they don't have De'Aaron Fox. They don't have Marvin Bagley. They don't have their two best players. Try and get some rest because you you got your first West Coast back to back. You play the Kings on Sunday. They play the Kings on Monday. And the Celtics came out and they looked flat once again. Luckily, Jalen Brown went two of two <laughs> from three in the first quarter because the rest of the team went zero for eight. Absolutely crazy. And the Kings are one of those teams that are a very streaky shooting team. And Buddy Heald showed that he was on fire because he ended up with 35 points. And Buddy Heald, he can score with some of the best guys in the league. But you can't let Buddy Heald score 35 points. One thing that I was kind of surprised and I kind of appreciate Luke Walton for doing, the Kings pressured the ball a lot. What the Celtics used to do. The Celtics did that at the start of the season. That's how they would force a lot of turnovers. And Corey Joseph was all up in Kemba Walker's grill. And I kind of felt that like Kemba was annoyed by it. He was frustrated by it. I Kemba didn't really have a great game. He scored 14 points. He did have eight assists, which was, I thought, good to see. I talked to a few podcasts ago where... I thought Kemba was maybe a little too passive, but if he, as long as he's making good decisions, he can do it. But with Kemba being 5 of 12 from the field, 0 of 3 from 3. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. He actually had 9 assists, not 8 assists. So, I don't know. I just felt like Kemba wasn't himself. And I do understand that, you know, there was one point, I believe, in the third quarter where he tripped and fell. And it looked like he maybe got a knee to knee or landed on his hand. So, maybe that affected him a little bit. But... Man, it was just frustrating to see because I really and truly am dying to see a full game from Kemba. Just not, nah, and then, woo, I need it all. I really, because I want it all or nothing at all. I mean, who doesn't love a, love a little O-Town? I've actually sung two songs so far on this podcast. Things come in three, so maybe I'll sing another song, but... I guess I'll, you'll you'll just have to wait and say. I can't believe I'm talking about singing another song. But in the second quarter, the Celtics fought back. They crept back a little bit. And it was because of semi Uh Like, what? Huh? No. Yeah. semi Ojale played the entire second quarter and scored eight points. Kemba had eight at the half. Jalen Brown had eight and a half. 
and Shemi Ojale had eight in the half. What? No. No. Stop. Yeah. It was a thing. It was kind of annoying and kind of great all at the same time because I don't I'm not a I'm not a Shemi guy, but that was a great performance. That is what if Shemi could play like that all the time, we would all love Shemi outside of, you know, his muscle factory. Shemi needs to do that all the mother flipping time, and he doesn't. Cantor, great game off the bench from him. Seven boards, ten points, plus five, one block, thank God, because the Celtics only had three blocks all game, which is absolutely ridiculous. But anyways, Cantor had a good game. Brad Wanamaker had a great game as well. He went to the line four times, hit all of his free throws. Like Tice went to the line four times. Kemba went to the line four times. Wanamaker went to the line four times. Cantor went to the line eight, eight times. Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum combined went to the line once. Three players, one, th- one free throw. Ridiculous. Jalen Brown has been attacking the ball very, very well lately, so I'm okay with it. Jason Tatum needs to attack more it's driving me absolutely crazy and Marcus Smart you know give or take he'll he'll eventually drive it was a very entertaining game yeah I I really enjoyed the Kings game probably more than any other game that like that 140-133 game against the Wizards I did a poll on my Instagram page at Banner Banter Podcast where would you rather win 89 to 85 or 140 to 133 thanks to my Boston Celtics season ticket rep. He gave me the idea to do the poll, so salute to you, good sir. Um, but I would rather win, you know, 89-85, make it close, kind of an ugly game. I lo- I don't mind ugly basketball, but, like, just when t- no one's playing defense, it's so annoying. But it, this was a very entertaining game, especially with five minutes left. Tatum hit two huge buckets, a nice three open in the corner, and then attacking the rim, finally. Tatum had a pretty good game. I mean, 6 of 13 from the field, 14 points. He was a plus 12, which was a team high. So that that was pretty impressive on his end. But Marcus Smart was 2 of 16 overall in this game. It was gross. He was terrible. 1 of 8 from 3. Like, sure, he had 9 assists, which was, you know, he realized that maybe... Here's the thing with Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart has been shooting the basketball very well this year, and no one can really be upset with how Marcus Smart shot the ball. And the fact that he realized he was shooting bad and he still you know, had nine assists is great to see. But how do you have 16 shots and nine assists and miss 14 of those shots? It's absolutely crazy. And he missed the most important one at the buzzer. And I, I, couldn't, I couldn't stop thinking about the Toronto Raptors Game seven with Kawhi beating the Philadelphia 76ers. Like, I know it's the games mean two completely different things the 12th game of the year versus a chance to go to the NBA Finals. <laughs> but the the Celtics bench reaction was just like the Raptors bench reaction. And I, like, literally like couldn't get it out of my mind. And I don't know how that shot by Marcus Smart didn't go in. It just bounced and bounced and bounced and then just fell off the rim. It was ridiculous absolutely ridiculous but two more things about this game Daniel Tice Daniel Tice this year guys has been awesome I think Daniel Tice has been fantastic 14 and 10 this game plus seven 
He's been so good. He only missed one shot. He got to the. He had a couple really strong and impressive and ones. He's being. He's not afraid this year. He's not hesitant. He's playing closer to the rim versus playing at the top of the key, like trying to be everything that Al Horford was. He, he's playing a lot different this year. I don't know if the FIBA World Cup, because he played for Germany, if that's been helping him. But Daniel Tice has been playing great. And one other thing. This was a game where Gordon Hayward was missed a great deal. You guys remember last year, Gordon Hayward hit that shot at the buzzer against the Kings. And the bench has struggled at some time, at times. And they just need that extra body. Because the Celtics starters, they have scored the second most points per game in the league with over 86 maybe even 87 points per game just the starters and if the Celtics are averaging over you know 100 points let's say they're scoring 103 points a game and they're at the starters are averaging 86 it's only 27 points from the bench and if you have four or five guys coming off the bench you need more production than that in this game they you know they got some reasonable production but they lost so that's frustrating you know so that's going to be very interesting going in to the upcoming week against the Suns and the Clippers and the Nuggets. But first, we got to recap the week completely, right? We haven't done it yet. So let's do the stud and dud of the week. Leg out. And now it is time for the Celtics stud and the Celtics dud of the week. Okay, this week's Celtics stud and dud of the week. The stud is Jalen Brown. And this has nothing to do with his three-point shooting because he is shooting less than 35% from the three-point line. But everything has been pretty impressive this past week. I mean, he shot 34-68 from the field, 50% basically overall, 53% from three. Now, again... He shot 53% from three this week, and he's still shooting less than 35% from three. So all the games before this week, Jalen Brown has not been very impressive. 22 points a game, two and a half assists, eight boards this week. He is becoming a legit two-way player. He can defend multiple positions on the floor, not as well as Marcus Smart, but he can he can really start defending multiple positions on the floor, and that has impressed me a great deal. That um, We are going to be facing... I'm sorry, I hate saying the word we when like I'm part of the team, but the Celtics are going to be facing two of the best two-way players in the league in Paul George and Kawhi Leonard on Wednesday. And Jalen Brown, I bet you, wants to be on their level. I don't think he'll ever get to that level, but if he can at least try to get there, that is going to help the Boston Celtics win a lot of basketball games this year. And this past week, Jalen was great. He literally looked like an all-star this week. And you guys know how much I dislike Jalen Brown's play last year. I thought he was terrible for the majority of it. I thought he was in his head too much, and it absolutely drove me crazy. It's literally like night and day looking at last year's Jalen Brown and this year's Jalen Brown. I thought Jalen was great all week. I thought he was, you could argue, the most important player because you know Kemba's going to get his, but who's going to be that second guy to step up? And I thought Jalen Brown did a terrific job on both ends of the floor, on both ends of the floor this past week. The dud is Jason Tatum. Holy crap, did you guys see him in that Dallas Mavericks game on last Monday? One of 18 from the field. Ugh, gross. And then he 
went to the you know I love the fact that after the game he went to the practice the practice facility in Brighton and sh- took some more shots. I love that. But why are you posting it on Snapchat? Don't don't be distracted. Don't bring your phone into the gym. Just shoot. Get into a rhythm. Fix some things because clearly one of 18's not good. So you got to fix something, whether it's your mechanics, your mentality, whatever the case may be. Don't post it on Snapchat. I'd rather have not known than known. So so don't so don't do it. And do you remember a few minutes ago when I was talking about how bad Jason Tatum sucks at layups, especially in that Warriors game? Jason Tatum this year, within five feet from the hoop, is shooting thirty. 8%. On layups, 33%. Last year, within 5 feet, 61%. Last year, w- with layups, 51%. That is a huge drop. 23% and 28 um, eight. sorry, not 28 but 18%. That is a huge drop, folks. That is absolutely insane. He came out really strong to start this year, and I'm getting more and more concerned that he's not going to take the he's playing better you could argue that he's playing better than last year so he's taking a little bit of a leap but end of the day right now if you had to pick who is going to be your all-stars let's say Gordon Hayward is hurt and he's not going to get enough votes to get in the all-star team even though he had a great start so if it's between Kemba Jalen and Jason who are your two all-stars right now if you had an opportunity to have two Boston Celtics represent the all-star team it's Jalen Brown and Kemba Walker no questions asked. It should be Jason Tatum and Kemba Walker. But anyways, let's talk about the West Coast road trip. Phoenix Suns tonight, 9 p.m. If you're listening on Monday, if you're listening on Tuesday, the game was last night. I don't have the up-to-date information for you because this is a podcast. Clippers, Wednesday night at 10 p.m. And then 9 p.m. Friday night against the Denver Nuggets. Those are all East Coast times, not the West Coast times. The combined record of these three teams are 24 and 12. And the Phoenix Suns have been the most surprising team of the NBA so far this season, I think. They've beat the Clippers, they've beat the Nets, they've beat the 76ers, and they've lost to the Denver Nuggets by one in overtime. You could say the reason why they're doing so well is not only because of Devin Booker, but because of Aaron Baines, that's right, Australia's own, Boston Celtics owned, Australian man-child Aaron Baines. DeAndre Ayton, they're the Phoenix Suns' big-time uh, first-round draft pick last year. Or, yeah, was it last year or the year before? Yeah, this is his second season, right? Yeah, so last year, he got suspended. I guess he took some Adderall or something or something, some type of um, – in performance enhancing drug and he's suspended for like 25 games so he's not back yet Aaron Baines is averaging 15 points five boards and three assists per game and he's also shooting his best field goals percentages from the field and from three in his entire career he's like this is like the perfect fit for him who would have thought Aaron Baines would be playing his best basketball for the Phoenix Suns and not the Boston Celtics I, I, I don't think Brad Stevens used Aaron Baines in the wrong way in any way, shape, or form while he was here, but he's playing his best basketball with the Phoenix Suns. So, like, the Celtics have to be concerned about not only the physicality of Aaron Baines, how well he knows Brad Stevens' defense, and because he understood it so well while he was here, but they also have to worry about him dropping 15 points a game? What the heck? But obviously, there are 
obviously some other reasons why the Phoenix Suns are good. Devin Booker, of course, an all-star, one of the best shooters in the league. He Remember a few years ago, he dropped 70 on the Celtics. Then you have Kelly Oubre, who always plays well against the Celtics. You guys might remember Kelly Oubre. He was on the Washington Wizards teams when we played them in the second round. Uh, what was that, for like two or three years in a row when Isaiah Thomas was there, John Wall, Markeith Morris, etc., etc. Their starting point guard is Ricky Rubio. He's a reasonable starting point guard in this league. He he's not there to score for them unless he's like wide open, but if he can get Devin Booker and Aaron Baines involved, that's great. Then you have Saric. Remember the kid from uh, the, oh my God, where's Saric from? He originally started for the Philadelphia 76ers, and then he was part of that trade, him and Robin, Robert Covington, then went to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Now he's playing for the Phoenix Suns. You have Frank Kaminsky, who used to play for the Charlotte Hornets. Cam Johnson, he's a rookie this year. He's from UNC. I hate him. And then Tyler Johnson, he's the be- he was the backup uh, one of the backup guards for the Miami Heat for the last couple of years, and now he's on the Phoenix Suns. He's a good, solid ben- bench player. And what's crazy about the Phoenix Suns the Phoenix Suns is their ball movement. They lead the league with 28 assists per game. And you remember early, earlier on in the season for the Celtics, like I'm talking, I, I keep saying earlier on in the season, like it happened like 12 weeks ago. We were literally only 12 games in. But the first handful of games for the Celtics, I was so impressed on how they got their hands into the passing lanes with pistols. One, one on your man, one on the ball, figure it out. And if the Celtics can create turnovers for this against the Phoenix Suns team because they they pass the ball so much and the ball movement is so good and it shows that it's the best in the league things can happen if you can limit the amount of success and make them play more one-on-one basketball outside of Devin Booker this will be a good opportunity for the Celtics to win here's another thing you got to contest shots the Phoenix Suns have the best field goal per- top 5 field goal percentage and top 5 three-point percentage in the league, and they also score the fifth most points per game in the league too, which is crazy. Here's the thing. You can get into a shootout with the Washington Wizards. They don't have a lot of great players. You cannot get into a shootout with the Phoenix Suns. You will lose. That is a promise. They will absolutely lose that game. So they have to come out pissed off after losing to the the Kings, the fact that their 10-game winning streak is over, don't let it affect you, come out, start well, start fresh, and let's go and play a full 48 minutes. None of this, meh, and then go absolutely nuts in the second half. That's what we can't have. So then, Wednesday night, Los Angeles Clippers, a.k.a. the team that's supposed to win the title. Paul George, he returned last week. He scored 30 points in two games already. His first game, he dropped like 33 points back because he had another shoulder surgery. So he was recovering for it. Now he's back. Will Kawhi Leonard play? Who the hell knows? I can't keep up with this goddamn load management thing. And, and the t- type of excuses like, oh, his knee needs a rest. And what? Huh? So, sure, I hope Kawhi Leonard takes a night off. Patrick Beverly's getting some load management as well. Kawhi hasn't been playing on Wednesday nights. The Celtics are playing on Wednesday night against the Clippers, so who knows? That might that might work. The Clippers do also play on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, so does he only play three out of the four games of the week? Why don't you pick the Celtics? You know, come on, Doc. Help out your former former team. You know, let 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 them get a win in L.A. Come on, bud. It, it's okay. But the Clippers, they're stacked from top to bottom. Obviously, they have 
Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. Um, they have the best bench player of all time in Lou Williams. He's averaging over 20 points a game. Can Grant Williams or Time Lord or Tice or Cantor match the energy that Montreal's Harrell brings out? He's a monster. So much energy. He's going to be really difficult for the Celtics to defend, and they're going to have to get out, uh, get back on the fast break because he loves to run the floor as well. Will Patrick Beverly be able to lock down Kemba if Patrick Beverly is playing? Patrick Beverly is one of the better defending guards in the league, so you have to keep an eye out on that. And I really think this is a huge opportunity for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to show that they are really good two-way players and could have the potential of being all-stars against two of the, you could argue, two of the top five players in the NBA overall, for real. So this is a huge opportunity for Jalen Brown. It's a huge opportunity for Jason Tatum, and they have to conquer that moment, and I really hope that they do. A couple other things about the this Clippers game. They are a very good rebounding team. They have the fourth-best rebounding percentage in the league, and their opponents, 18th best. Ugh, not that great. They, they also allow the 18th overall assist-to-turnover ratio, which you've, you're saying, oh, that's pretty good. Celtics are number one. So that's great. So the Celtics have to keep doing what they've been doing so far this season, and that will be good. They also, here's the thing that really scares me. The Celtics aren't a great offensive rebounding team in any way, shape, or form. They don't get a lot of second-chance points. For example, uh, they got 10 offensive rebounds against the Kings, You know, which I feel like is average. But here's the thing. The Clippers only allow 10 second-chance points per game. That's wild, which is the third best in the league. It's going to be a tough, tough game. I don't think it's going to be as tough as the Nuggets game because I don't think the Celtics really play that well in Denver. But if Kawhi and Paul George are both playing, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, oh man, I wish Gordon was playing. They're they're all going to have their hands full. But the final game of the week is against the Denver Nuggets, the Mile High City. It's never been a great look for the Celtics. You guys remember last year when Kyrie threw that ball into the stands. But can any? But the real question on this on the Nuggets is, can anyone defend Jokic, the Joker? The answer is no. He's so big. He's so fat. He's so good at basketball. It's absolutely ridiculous. So do you let Jokic go off? Do you let Murray or Harris go off? I'm not talking about like, you know, the game last year that much. We're moving on. I don't want to think about last year anymore. It still annoys me for whatever reason. This 10-game winning streak was great. The fact that they're 10-2 and two through 12 games, none of us would have thought about it, so I'm really trying to enjoy this. But Jokic is so good. He's hit a couple buzzer beaters in the last two weeks, one versus the 76ers at home, one against the T-Wolves. He's been absolutely fantastic. But with that being said, I he came in this season overweight. He seems like he's out of shape. So if he's on that floor... And Time Lord's out there, Tice is out there. Put your head down and effing run to that basket. Let Joe Kitch use every single ounce of his energy so he can't use it in the fourth quarter or in the second half, whatever the case may be. Get out and run. So he has to chase and loot. Like, literally, he needs to catch his breath. It's absolutely crazy. Their bench isn't anything special, kind of like the Celtics. There's some flashes. Jeremiah Grant, he played for the Thunder. Last year, for the last couple of years, he's okay. Michael 
Porter Jr. He has his flashes, kind of like Carson Edwards. He has a couple good games, a couple bad games. Mason Plumley versus the Time Lord or Mason Plumley versus Cantor, I think is going to be very important. Mason Plumley is a great offensive rebounder. He was at Duke. He has been through his entire career in the NBA, so that's good. But the Nuggets are playing some sneaky good defense. Opponents playing the Nuggets, they shoot about 30% from the feet from three, and that's that's incredible. That's a really good defense. That just shows that they're contesting shots, their defensive rotations are good. So that's great. But the positive for the Celtics here, and the Celtics are, like I said, are very good with their assist to turnover ratio. You know, perfect example. They had 14 turnovers against the Kings and 26 assists. So that's almost a two to one assist to turnover ratio, which is great. And the Nuggets are bottom 10 in the league in that. So make good passes. Don't make dumb decisions, and you can be in this basketball game. This could be something where I could see the Celtics losing against the Suns, losing against the Clippers, losing against the Nuggets, and next thing you know, they're now 10-5 and after 15, which I think is perfectly fine and perfectly reasonable. But if they can win two of these games, or all three of these games, and be 13-2 and after 15, but I think they can beat the Suns. I think the Clippers game the Clippers have and this Nuggets game could go either way but if if you can come out of here 12 and let's just say 12 and 3 after 15 you you really can't be upset about that and I'd be really really excited about that if I was a Celtics fan and involved in the Celtics organization from top to bottom from Wick down to the people down at the main red cloth you know what I'm saying so that's it Episode 56 is in the book. Another fun and exciting week for the Boston Celtics coming up. And then the following week, they got they get to play Kyrie twice, and they get to get a payback on the Kings. And it's pretty crazy that next week's going to be Thanksgiving. Absolutely crazy. But that's it for Episode 56 of the Banner Branch Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Remember, follow me on Twitter, at Banner Banter 18, and on Facebook and Instagram, at Banner Banter Podcast. And... If you haven't subscribed yet, subscribe to the podcast on Spotify or iTunes and leave a rating. Let me know what you think about the podcast. Good, bad, super duper. You know, don't get too negative if you think it sucks, but clearly you're listening this far, so it can't be that bad, right? So leave a rating for me, will ya? Thanks so much for listening. Toodles and noodles. X's and O's. Bye-bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.